0: Hello and welcome, podcast, to episode 16. This one's an interesting one, it's called sense of service. So basically in this one, Stephen explains that we all have a dominant driver. And this can be summarised as either a sense of service to self or a sense of service to others. And in this episode, Stephen explains that we have both. All of us have both, but the one is more dominant than the other. So during the episode, Stephen explains how you can figure out which is the most dominant for yourself and for others around you, and then some tips on how you can connect to it. So first of all, there's the understanding of that we do have that driver. And then the second one is is how you manage that, and then how you can use this to your own advantage. So this is good. It helps with the whole connection piece and influence, getting genuine, authentic connections to other people. But during this whole episode, you'll keep seeing me veering backwards and forwards to trying not to label one as good and one as bad. And I think it just feels that sense of service to self feels though that, that this is, um, yeah, rude or in some ways, a selfish driver. And the sense of service to others feels somehow more kindly, which I explain and discuss. So many times you are here, Stephen correcting me as we go through this. So there's a lot of good stuff in this. I'll come back at the end and uh, with some comments. But I hope you enjoy it. Any comments, questions? You know, drop us a line on our email uh, podcast at coachpro dot online. And I'll be back at the end with some admin. Talk to you then. Here comes the cheesy music. We're still on Zoom, obviously. Don't know for how many more months. This lockdown is hitting all of Europe. We're recording this in October 2020. Um, So Edinburgh, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Loud and clear. Good news. So today we are tackling a, a topic we've touched on a couple of times, and I know, like all of these things, you know, is connected to a lot of the different other things that we've spoken about previously and we will speak about in the past, and this is a sense of service to others and to self. This is a big, big topic. So let's get going. Sense of service to others and a sense of service to self. What is it why is
1: it important? Well, the where this sits is in um, two levels. First of all, being able to connect with someone on this level of their intelligent driver, so what drives them. Okay. And this allows you to connect then and understand their motivation to do something. Okay. So it's, it enables you to connect with that individual on their motivations and their drives rather than projecting your motivations and drives onto other people. So if you find that some people share the same motivations as you but others don't seem to respond in the same way, that's likely because they have a different sense of service. Therefore, they have a different internal drive. Okay. Once
0: I understand, do people have a sense of service to themselves or to others, I can better understand one of their key motivators or key internal drivers. And by better understanding that, obviously, or not obviously, once I better understand that, then I can connect to them better or I can understand them
1: better. By understanding, you can then connect. And by connecting, then you can influence and also be influenced by Yes. So not just writing someone off because they're driven in a different way to you. So what this allows you to do is to protect what you want to say to someone for the reasons why you want to say it to them. But understanding this will better inform how you say it so that you're saying it in a way that touches with their higher motivations rather than a lesser motivation.
0: Yes, so... So once you understand what drives them, you appeal to that in your communication to them. Then you you touch on it, you reference it, you you link to it, which is what a good influencer does, a good salesperson does. I mean, you're you want to sell an idea or you want to influence an idea. The better you understand their reasons, the better you can touch
1: them. I guess. Yeah, and it protects the authenticity of what you're trying to say and why you're trying to say it. It's like speaking in someone's language or trading in the currency that's highest value to them. Um, So this isn't about manipulating what you're doing or manipulating that person. It's really connecting with them. It's talking in the language that they understand. It's trading in the currency that's of highest value to them. Uh, It creates that connection. Uh, And what this also allows you to do is to, by respecting someone else's drives, You can also then respect your own motivational drives rather than trying to pretend that you're motivated by the same things that others are if clearly that doesn't work for you. Okay,
0: that's good. So this is why it's important. So sense of service to self, and I know I've made this mistake before, and sense of service to others. So one of it sounds like you're this mad, greedy, crazy, selfish accumulator of power and wealth and all good things. And you will, you know, drive over orphans to get to what you need, like some sort of Scrooge type figure and sense of service to others suggests some kind of mother Teresa, Florence Nightingale type character as well. And I know this is wrong, but that's how it sounds, isn't it? The sense of service to self and sense of service to others. It does throw up those caricatures when you first hear them.
1: Yeah, and, and the first thing to understand, so if you start with yourself, yeah. uh, and one of these things is if we start with, with self, but it's actually a lot easier and quicker to uh, to assess others. But if you start with yourself, you are neither one or the other wholesale. You're not, There's so if you put this into context, there are two drives. There's, there's, there's a drive of sense of service to self, and there's a drive of sense of service to others. And, All of us have both. We have both that sense of service to self and that sense of service to others, but not in equal measure. We'll have a dominance in one and the other then needs to align. So it's not that you have one or the other, you have both. So everybody has both, but one will be dominant and the other will need to learn to align because it's not as strong. Therefore, it doesn't give as much motivation so the
0: danger then could be and when the danger i'm gonna i'm fighting against at the moment then is that it's not a spectrum it's not that you're either really strict on one and really strict on the other what you're saying is is you have both because the spectrum isn't a spectrum you can have a heavy you can have both of these almost at the same time but as, is is it situational that sometimes i'll have one stronger than another or is it that is it more primal than that
1: few points in this, and some of this is just based upon my experience. First of all, we have both, and yet it's not on a spectrum. So you're not leaning one towards one or the other, and therefore going one way takes you away from the other. You have both, but one will be dominant, and the other one will not be as powerful. So this is about your motivations. So sometimes people are hugely driven by one, but not really driven by the other, which is why when someone maybe puts something to you, and you think, I just don't want to do it. And other times it's put to you a different way and you think, I just need to do that. Yeah. So you have both. One will be dominant. And the other will be weaker and therefore needs to be aligned. Okay. Now, sometimes the difference between one and the other is a stark wide difference. There are some people who are massively driven by one and almost as if it's in the absence of the other. And then other people, it's really marginal. Almost as if you think, well, sometimes they're driven by self, sometimes they appear to be driven by others. It's almost marginal. But one will work that bit more than the other. This is about their motivations. This is the reasons why they do what they do. This is not a determinant of what they do. This is understanding why they do what they do. So you won't be able to tell by looking at what someone does or doesn't do it's understanding the reasons why they do it the reasons why they don't do it
0: okay and does it change by situation or does it change or does it first of all does it change at all so if i have if if i've got one which is dominant does that level of dominancy change up and down and can it sometimes be the the weaker one
1: i've i've known it to be influenced by situation and also influenced by Life, things that happen that change your perspective. Mm. I've seen it happen varying on people's level of self-awareness and self-confidence actually to accept what they're driven by. And so I've seen a lot of people kind of balance out into, uh, well, I'm not too bothered one or the other, and, and losing that kind of sharpness. So as people go through different stages of their life, I've seen it vary. What I've never seen it do is change. I've never seen someone who's more sense of service to self then flip to sense of service to others. Okay. Wholesale. They they, they might, in a situation, lean more towards the other, but I've never seen them change. And the more self-aware and the more mature they become, the more confident they become in retaining what actually motivates, really motivates them. And that happens when you're really ready to respect what motivates someone else might be different. All right. So let's get to that then. So this is fixed. So that's the first thing this, once you understand
0: it about somebody that the good and yourself, this is going to be quite fixed to help them make me feel like I'm not Scrooge McDuck or the uncle Scrooge from the, you know, you know, the guy, I mean, what, what is a sense of service to self and obviously therefore to others in because I think, again, I keep thinking one is
1: selfish and one is selfless. And that judgment is a big blocker for people actually allowing their own genuine motivations to be there because they judge it and they the judge others and they either judge them of being motivated or not motivated just because of how they positioned it. They'll judge sense of service to self as being selfish. Yes. Or they will judge sense of service to others of being some kind of martyr or sacrificial approach or or weak or a pushover so all these judgments understanding this allows you to get beyond that judgment and gets you into understanding rather than just labeling okay sense of service to self is not selfish and sense of service to others is not sacrificial okay you're telling me this now are not you for 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 anybody It's the th- because when I tend to ask people, what are you, they are almost trying to force themselves into the sense of service to others box because everybody's going to like that. Yes. I mean, that yeah. does sound like the right answer. And then you'll get others who will say, well, I'm sense of service to self, so does this give me permission to be selfish? No, it doesn't. Yeah. It's about connecting these two things, but understanding which one is your primary driver. Okay. And therefore understanding that's not going to be the same for everybody else.
0: Okay, so it isn't selfish and selfless. Now come on, what is it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, there's the great thing about this, first of all, it's a 50-50 call. So if we can suspend the self-awareness of what am I, because that self-awareness piece in this tends to raise some emotions which gets in the way of understanding the concept so the the best way for us to look at this objectively so that you understand the profile of this is to consider others first of all rather than consider what you are if you can have some people in mind uh, because it's amazing how quickly it comes to mind we can spend the rest of our lives developing that self-awareness of am i more self or others And you get time to sort of ponder that and ruminate over that over the next number of decades, God spares us both. Uh, However, what's really practical and impactful now is your connection with others, so understanding where they are. And first of all, it's not something that you get wrong, and it's a 50-50 call. So try one on for size, and if it really works, fantastic. You might want to try the other one just to confirm that you're on the right one. And if you choose the one that doesn't work, then you can go to the other one with conviction. So there's a practical way of assessing this. And so the first thing we'll do is assess what that is. And then the second stage of that is say, so what do we do with it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there are four levels of this profile. Okay. Okay. So... If we're going to do the person who sends a service to self or sends service to others first, which one do you want to go with? Um, let's do self. Okay. okay. So the first level of profile, if we do this person who sends service to self, the first one is in fear because emotions come first. So what is the fear for someone who sends a service to self? What's their biggest fear?
0: Um... This will be a fear of letting themselves down. It'll be them. It'll be that they have a certain view of what they should be doing. So their fear is that they're not doing it.
1: Absolutely. The biggest fear of someone who has more sense of service to self, because it's important to emphasize that they're more this rather than they just are. Someone who's more sense of service to self, the biggest fear is letting themselves down. Now they will not want to let anybody else down. But the most important thing is they don't let themselves down. So I think that's the thing,
0: there, not it? What, you, what you're saying is it isn't only that they don't want to let themselves down. They have it for everyone else, but this is the primary yes. one. Yes. Okay. It's the one
1: that's more motivational. It's the highest currency. And, and it's not the only currency, it's the highest currency. And therefore, if we really want to influence and motivate, we have to go to the highest level of currency. So on the basis of fear, the biggest fear is letting themselves down. In terms of the voice they're listening to, if their sense of service is to self, whose voice are they listening to?
0: Themselves, I guess. I mean, this is the the voice in their head. Yes. Even
1: when other people are talking to them, what they're doing is translating it, interpreting it, absorbing it in their voice with their interpretation. What do you mean? So they're not really listening to what you're saying they're listening to their interpretation of what you're saying. Okay. Because the voice they're listening to most is their own voice. They can hear your voice, but the voice they're really listening to is their own. So it's their opinion of what you're saying. It's how they feel about what you're saying. It's their interpretation about what you're saying. So if you come across someone who has a tendency to replay conversations quite differently to actually what occurred, it wasn't that they weren't listening. As they were listening to their interpretation of what they thought was being said and also what they thought the reason for it being said was. Interesting. Okay. So they are listening. They're just listening to their voice. Okay. Now, the third is their preferred order. So someone who sends a service to self, who would they prefer went first?
0: I'm guessing them yeah. themselves. Yeah, I mean, so, but in sense of order, what does order means?
1: Who goes first? Okay. So, if someone is sense of service to self, what they will be really keen to do is to get their opinion out there, get their position out there, say what they need to say first, do what they need to do first. Um, and once they have done what they needed to do, said what they needed to say, make clear what they need to make clear, they're then very open and receptive to what everybody else needs of them. But until they've got their bit out there, nothing's going in.
0: Okay. So that's the important thing then a bit, again, to go back from the self selfish thing is it isn't that they don't want everyone else to go. It's just that their preference is that they go first. It's not, and they're the only person to go. Okay. Correct.
1: So you'll get some people who are best going to the gym first thing in the morning. Yeah. Because once they've done their bit for themselves, then they are more than open to what everyone else wants to do, once once of their time and everything else. And if they don't get to do that first, they're agitated all day because there's a, a, a need to get this done. Or if you've got someone who goes into a meeting and they're uncomfortable with listening to what everybody else says because they need to say something. Then the sooner they get to say it, the more receptive they can be with everybody else. Okay.
0: Imagine everyone at the moment is sitting there going, Jesus, this sounds like me. And I know you're saying it's not a, a bad thing or a good thing. It just, you know, when we do the sense of service to others, maybe we should have started with that. But at the moment, I'm just thinking, yeah. yeah. I am turning into Scrooge McDuck.
1: Okay. This this is, you can be sense of service to self. If that is the one that drives you more, you'll be this more often, not always, but more often. And this is accepting, that's what I'm driven by. That's how to get the best out of me. But also if you're getting beyond this, the self-assessment, consider others because you look at others more objectively. Okay. So the biggest fear is letting themselves down. The yep. boys they listen to most is their own. Yep. And their preferred order is they get to go first. Yep. Now, the last bit of the profile is people who are send more sense of service to self, on a good day, they will believe that if they get to where they want to get to, everybody else is going to benefit. So this is not a selfish thing. They just believe if they get to where they want, if they get to do what they want to do, if they get to achieve what they want to achieve, everybody else around them is going to benefit. Yes, so that's on a good day. On the bad days, the tired days, the darker days, someone whose sense of service is likely to feel kind of isolated and exhausted because they always have to lead. And although people are following them, they're maybe just that little bit too far behind. Okay. So sense of service of sense people who are more sense of service to self have good days and difficult days.
0: And I, and I'm working hard to keep away from the side of, oh that doesn't sound like a good person, but I mean, they're probably to, like leaders in sports teams, for example, I think of that some of them, you know, who who drag everyone with them and and make things happen in a, in a fantastic way. Uh, are are those. I mean, you know, they don't want to let their fans down, but they look at themselves first and say, you know, you can do better than this. And that, that, that driving of standards is what elevates them to a better performance, which benefits everyone around them.
1: It's it's important, you know, again, to avoid the labeling of, you know, would this be a good thing, a bad thing, a right thing, a wrong thing? Yeah. It's just a thing. Where it becomes really powerful is when you know what that drive is, but it's not at the exclusion of the other drive. Okay but it's not the two of them standing side by side as approaches. It's knowing which one goes first.
0: Okay, I've got to work harder on this bit, okay, of, of the labelling. And and you're right, and you say it, and you said it two or three times now, and I keep going back and wanting to stick a, a sticker, sticker on it, saying this is this is better than, or well, one is better than the other. What yeah. you're saying,
1: yeah. it, it isn't, okay? What, what I would say to anybody, and we're all kind of, we get on because we make decisions, and you make decisions because you stick a label on something. So if the labelling is something that you just can't get beyond because that's what you do, then work with that. Label it as a good thing. can be a good thing. As yeah. opposed to having to label one as good and one as bad, one as strong and one as weak. If you label both as be, can be a good thing. Yeah then at least it it puts you into, well, why, in what ways can it be a good thing? Yes. These things can.
0: Okay. That's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. This neither is bad. It's about, this is about understanding. And it's not that good people are are one or the other. Good people can be both. Bad people can be both. You know, there's a number of different things.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, this is not a, to define whether the motivations are good or the motivations are bad. This is understanding where the motivation comes from. Yeah. So then, a sense
0: of ser- sense of service to others—is it the same four categories: F- fear, voice, order, and you know, good day, bad day? I mean, to time absolutely. To-
1: yeah. So, uh, someone who a service to others—what's their biggest fear?
0: Is letting others down
1: then. Yeah, letting you? other people down. Now you you speak to those people about letting themselves down, and if they're more sense of service to others, because they're not wholesale, if they're more sense of service to others, and you speak to them about you better, you know, don't let yourself down or you're gonna gain a lot from this, they will get the logic. Oh. But it won't be to it won't be at the top of their list. Their biggest fear is letting others down. Okay. The voice they listen to most. Well,
0: others, I'm assuming. (laughs) Other
1: people's voices. So they really want to get a feel for the energy in the room, where someone else is on things. They are very open to feedback. They want to hear what people have got to say. Very sensitive to criticism. Uh, Ironically, don't always listen to praise particularly well. But they are wanting to hear what everybody else is. They listen to everybody else's voices. They still make their own mind up, but they do it based upon what they've heard. Okay. Their preferred order? That
0: is go first.
1: So they would rather go second. It's not that they can't go first, but they would rather go second. So they would rather to get a sense of where everybody else is first so that they can say, well, I'm going to position, I'm going to take this position on it or they would prefer to find out how things are going with you first, or what are you expecting out of this, so that they can then adapt uh, because they want to make sure they don't let you down. They want to then respond in a way that suits you or what you're looking for. And on a good day, they will believe that if they help enough people get to where they want to get to, they themselves will arrive in a really good place. But on their bad, dark and tired days, they can feel resentment of all the needs that everybody else has of them because they're not getting to the piece they want to do. That's interesting. Okay.
0: So in my head, I'm running through different scenarios, and the difficulty is, is I've got self being very proactive even. you know driving making stuff happen and the others being yeah okay you know you go ahead you go first but i'm uh, listening to you talking i mean if i let others go first so i position myself that doesn't mean that i'm positioning myself in a supporting function is this may be a way of how i'm going to position myself better as as a leader as a driver i'm guessing isn't it it's but I do it from a sense of looking at what the situation needs more and then doing it rather than the the sense of service to self where I may still do that, but I would, you know, be forging ahead and dragging people behind me, which neither, as you say, is is bad. They're just a different approaches to to let's say a leadership position. Yeah.
1: Okay. And this allows you when you understand yourself better to go with your strongest motivation rather than forcing yourself to be motivated by something that doesn't really motivate you. So if I give the example of the book, and I I published a book, and I was four years in writing this book, and the reason why I'd started writing the book was I had so many people saying, you should write a book. And I would say, well, so why should I write a book? Ah, like, oh, great for your credibility, your reputation. It'll get you on the speaker circuit. You'll be seen as a thought leader. Great for business. A great calling card. People come looking for you. It'll be really good for you. And so I got the logic of that, and I therefore put myself through four years worth of forcing myself to write a book, and it became known as that <laughs> book, <laughs> yeah. and. After four years, I would sat down with one of my clients and they were saying, how's the book going? And I said, Oh well, that book, I said, well, it's another edit, another rewrite, it's another, you know, it's not quite there yet. And they said, why are you doing that? And I said, well, look, it makes sense because, you know, good for reputation, credibility, a speaker circuit, that kind of thing. And he said, that's not you. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, the reason you need to write this book is that someone might actually buy it and read it, and it could make a difference. Yeah. I said, so why would you delay that happening? I had that book done and dusted within six weeks because I was no longer forcing myself down the logical motivation of this makes sense because it did make sense. It was tapping into that more powerful motivation of, I didn't want to let people down. Whether you're doing things for a sense of service to self or sense of service to others, it's not right or wrong, it's it's what's right for you. And there are a whole load of people who've written books because they don't want to let themselves down. So they want to write the best book ever because they want to be good at doing that. And other people are equally successful writing books because they want people to benefit from what they've written. Yeah. Now, to be honest, I really don't care whether your motivation is one or the other. But once I understand what that motivation is, that's how I'm going to position things with you. Yeah. Because I want you to do it for your reasons. Because you can still do it for everybody else's reasons, but do it for your own reasons is where the real power comes from. Okay. I mean, is it natural then, my
0: tendency to think of one as more positive than the other one?
1: Well, this is where the labeling of can be good, you know, and putting an equal label on both would be helpful because you have both. It's not that you've got a strength, one's a strength and one's a weakness. It will it will only be a weakness if you don't align the two. If you allow them to compete with each other rather than work with each other, then you're going to come up with something suboptimal. If you really want to get the amplified benefit, it's about aligning the two. So first of all, an oper- and we've done this, the operational management strategic level, at an operational level, is first of all knowing that you have to senses of drive ones to self ones to others so does everybody you meet so first of all it's knowing that they have everyone has both and one will drive more than the other mm-hmm. at our management level it's then been able to understand the indicators of which one is the more powerful so on fear biggest fear the voice that they listen to the order that they prefer to do things and then how they are on a good, what a good day and a bad day looks like for them. Those are the four indicators. Yeah. And then at a strategic level, it's how you then engage. How do you then use that understanding to be more influential? So
0: on the aligning, I want to understand the aligning thing.
1: Okay. The, the, the alignment sits in the management of this. And the, and the alignment is important. So, and the, cause the alignment makes sure that you keep both drives on the page as opposed to just saying there's one and not two. So you can have these in conflict. So you can say, well, I need to do this for myself, but there's a whole lot of demands that other people have got for me. And you can have these two things pulling you apart, but you don't really know which one to go to. You know, these people want me to do this, but I need to do that and they're in conflict all the time. Okay. And what this is about is getting them aligned. And to get them aligned, you first of all need to understand which, which one drives you that bit more. So if I had to have the choice of letting myself down or letting someone else down, which one would motivate me that little bit more? And having that as your primary drive, then it's about working out how do you align. So an example of this was, um, I was about five years building up my coaching business and it was fantastic. Diary full. I was starting to bring on other associates and fill in their diary. And it was just riding the wave of this because everybody was making it up as they were going along. It was a kind of new thing. It was cool. It was exciting. People wanted to let's have some of that. And so it it's a fantastic time, really, really busy, hectic. And I'm flying all over the place Um, and literally going from session to session to session to session. And Tracy, my wife, saying, look, it's great you're doing all this. You know you need to kind of find some kind of outlet, a hobby or a pastime or something to step away from this at some point because you're really running at this 100 miles an hour all the time. Mm. And I'm saying, yeah, yeah, but, you know, because I'm sense of service to others dominantly, and I'm saying, yeah, but, you know, I can help. People need this. People are benefiting mm-hmm. from it, you know, and and this is generating income for the families, for the, you know, this is, you know, sorting out schools and houses and all, all sorts of things. I ended up at a meeting in London at nine o'clock in the morning Across sitting across my client who I'd been working with for about four or five months and... We're in this session. It was a Friday. and been away since the Monday night. And literally back-to-back sessions all the time and loving what I was doing. So this guy's called Phil. And Phil's, um, I, I just remember all of a sudden Phil saying, are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm okay. And he said, well, it's just you don't look as if, you're is there something on your mind? You don't, You normally you're right on things. You, you look a little bit distracted. And I was kind of embarrassed. And I thought, oh no, I'm letting this guy down. So, oh my God, did he regret pointing that out? So for the next ninety minutes, we were right on it, and you know, and that was her uh, coaching him to within an inch of his life, I think. And I phone, tra- I came out, stood in the street, phone Tracy, and I said, oh, "I've just had this experience, and I think I'm just running too much at this because I was sitting in, I wasn't really there." Uh, and and I said, "Look, this guy said to me, are you really here?'" And she was saying, "Well, is that, but." So he get a cheek. Does he not know how hard you're working? And I'm saying, no, the point is, (laughs) he shouldn't have thought to say that because I really should have been there. I fear that I, I, I might actually be letting them down if I don't do what I need to do for myself. And this is where the alignment comes in. Because I could end up manifesting my biggest fear if I don't take care of that other motivation, which is what do I need to do for myself? So I then decided... I need to get a hobby or a pastime to get that stepping away so that I can come back fresh and focused. And by the time I'd I'd flown back home that night, I decided it was either golf or tennis. (laughs) Having not played either at all much (laughs) and decided it was golf or tennis. My psychology was golf is playing the same shot with no two courses in the world the same whereas tennis is the court is the same everywhere around the world and you have to create new shots. So this is, you know, how much thought I would put into things. So by the time I got home, I thought, okay, tennis, shorter time. I could take all day playing golf, shorter time. uh, And that's going to sort of get me to be creative and things that works with what I'm doing, tennis. So got home, committed to playing tennis, went out and bought all the gear, had all this tennis gear, which looks kind of, tennis gear is always high quality stuff. So I had all this stuff and six months later, got all the gear, still haven't had a tennis ball. But my two sons have got a tennis coach now at that point because I thought this would be good for them and my sense of service to others would be great for them. Hand to eye coordination. Puts them, so they get the tennis coach. Six weeks into their training sessions on, on tennis, the guy, Matt, who was the coach came to me and said, uh, The boys are going on great, great hand tire coordination. I said, like, That's fantastic. He said, Do you know anybody who's looking for private lessons? And I said, well, Why is that? He said, Well, I've got a new job and I need to, it's a bit further away. My car's not that reliable. I need to upgrade my car, but I need to earn some more money. So I was thinking of doing private lessons. Do you know any of the other parents that may be looking for some tennis lessons? My sense of service to others kicks in. And I said, Put me down. And for 18 months, every second Tuesday, I was playing tennis with Matt so that he could get an upgrade in his car and get to his work. <laughs> so that sense of service, whether it's to sell for others, once you understand what that is, you'll then start to realise why you just make some things happen and other things you have to kind of force it a little or you end up not doing it. But it's that alignment. It's where the real power comes in. So if your sense of service is more to self, you'll get amplification of that if you know that that's your primary driver, but your challenge then is to align your sense of service to others with that. Otherwise, you're going to end up manifesting your biggest fear and letting yourself down. And for those who are sense of service to others, you then also got to find that alignment of what do you need to do for yourself that will ensure that you're able to not let other people down. Otherwise, you're going to. And when I realised that if I didn't take care of having interests, having other things to do, sleeping better, travelling less, all those kind of things, I was going to manifest my biggest fear, which was I was going to let people down. Yeah. A
0: similar path then with sense of service to self would be that understanding that without that support network or without family, without teammates, without everything else, all the things that you really want to achieve isn't going to be possible without listening to these people, your view, your interpretation of events isn't going to be as strong. So you understand that you do need, you know, this isn't something you can do on your own and knowing that other people's success is feeding into your success. It's acknowledging it and understanding and this, I guess.
1: Well, Say say you want to be a great host. Yes. Then you're entitled to say, and my favourite restaurant is this and the food I love is this. But if you're going to be a great host, you're also then going to have to consider what else is available on the menu that works for everybody else. Yeah. And that's just that aligning so that you're still driven by what you're driven by and not sacrificing that. But Because you're bringing in that bit of saying, so I, I still need to consider what other people are looking for.
0: Yeah, for me to have that great time that I want.
1: <laughs> but if you end up going to just a restaurant just because it caters for everybody, but what's on the menu doesn't work for you, yeah, that that's that's not going to feel good. And you will also then not be the great host. Okay. So that's the aligning bit.
0: Knowing this understanding it, how are we going to make this work for us?
1: So, well, if we all take the position of being a coach, because in essence, we're all coaches to a degree. Anybody who has a relationship with anybody, then there's that element of needing to connect so that you can be of positive influence, both with yourself and others. But if we take this with others, first of all, because we can be a bit more objective. If I'm working with someone whose sense of service is to self, how do I need to position things?
0: Yeah, this is how good this is going to be for them. So they start to internalise this, I guess, and start to worry. You know, their fear has got to kick in. They've got to be successful. I guess you'd be talking to them so that they really did genuinely understand what you. you would check back with them almost to repeat back to you what what you said to make sure that their interpretation of it is is, is correct.
1: Yeah that I mean that, that's that's important because the the position of things so that we're going to the position of things about the fear first of all okay. before we go into voice, right? So just on the positioning. I need to position things as being to that person's direct benefit or detriment. Because their biggest fear is letting themselves down. Okay. So I need to position it towards that fear.
0: So, what if they
1: don't do this, this is bad for them, basically. Okay. And if they do do this, it's great. For this will be fantastic success for them. Okay. Now, if I talk in terms of their team or their colleagues or their customers or everybody else, they will get the logic of that. They will see the value in it. But what will be the more compelling motivation is how this impacts them. So it's not how it impacts them and the exclusion of everybody else. It's how it affects everybody else. But on top of that, how this really affects you. And with
0: a sense of service to others, then, as you just said, if you were talking about their customers, their team, shareholders, investors, whatever it is, it's also going to be good for them. You would also be focusing a lot on that. But obviously, and logically, they would understand that this makes them more successful. But you'd start off with the with their dominant one, which is what would you know what this is going to mean for everybody around
1: them? Okay. So the position is key. So, send service to self is to that person's direct benefit or detriment. Yes. Someone who sends a service to others is to the benefit or detriment of those around them. Yes. Clear. Okay. And, that, and that's driven by their biggest fear of who they don't want to let down most. That makes sense. In terms of voice, sense of service to self, whose voice are they listening to? Listening
0: to their own voice. So who needs to say it for them to hear it? So they need to say it. So is this repeating back what you've said to them though? Or
1: Well, if I repeat back what I've said to them, whose voice are they listening to?
0: If somebody repeat, if I speak to somebody and they and I ask them to almost put it into their own words, they're listening to their own
1: voice then. So they need to say it for them to hear it. Yeah. So the, what we do to get them to say it is we use questions yes. rather than answers. Is this what you're doing now? <laughs> it's why if I was a dentist, nobody would smile. You're using questions because until they have said it, they haven't heard it. Yeah. So you use questions so that when they talk to you, you know what their understanding is. However, if you run out of time, you may end up saying, look, this is what I really want you to hear and understand. And you tell them. And then you say, so what have I just said? And even though it's just a, a couple of seconds of a difference, they will replay back something quite different, but it's been their interpretation of what you said. It happens that quick. Okay. But it's better to have the accurate disappointment of what they've taken on board rather than an inaccurate optimism of I've said it, so you'll have heard. So then the trick with this is then you're asking
0: the questions and and basically you keep reframing what you're really actually trying to say until they get it.
1: Yeah. Okay. And one of the things that really helps with that is not to be too pedantic that they have to understand it in the words that you're using. Okay. Because it's gotta be their words.
0: So the key intentions and, and reasons and stuff. Yeah, okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So you and I will have a conversation ongoing and you'll say, Oh, I was using this model or use I was sharing this with someone, and you'll say, It probably isn't as you remember it, but this was my interpretation of it. Yeah. And I'm always okay with that because that's what matters is that you understood. Rather than, and you understood in your own words as opposed to reciting someone else's words.
0: It's not a bad thing. Sense service to self's not a bad thing.
1: A bad it can thing. be a good
0: thing. I know, I'm just, I'm just repeating. repeating a mantra in my own head. You know, don't worry about it. Um,
1: I'm hearing it in my own voice. <laughs> and the preferred order? I mean, interesting. Sorry, just to get back on to the voice. Whose voice do people who sense service to service, whose voice do they read that? Are they reading their own voice? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's good. It's it's why if you're dealing with someone who's sensitive service to self, writing things down is if you need it to be in a certain way, write it down. If you're okay with as long as the vague understanding is there, then conversation is fine. But if you really need them to understand something, then write it down because mm-hmm. they'll read it in their own they'll voice.
0: read it back to themselves in their own voice. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah.
1: Now, someone who sends a service to others, whose voice are they listening to? They'll be listening to what you're saying or others are saying. and yeah, so, if, so if I'm working with someone like that, they're listening to my voice more than their own. Yeah. Okay. And so I need to say it for them to hear it. So what I need to be is more directive. When people say, oh, you should always just ask questions. Well, when you ask questions of someone who sends a service to self, they will tell you what they think. When you ask questions of someone who sends a services to others, yeah. whose answers are they looking for?
0: Yeah, they can say what you think they think you're you're looking for. So, if you're using this, then so you say you'd be more directive. But if you had a group of people as well, you'd be looking to get that a consensus in the room. That would help. That would help to. To change this person or to, to steer this person, to influence this person as well, then I guess, is if you get other people around that person saying similar stuff.
1: They, they would really want to listen to more people's voices. Yes. Okay. Some people are sending service to others, will sometimes overplay the value of surveys and loads of opinions because at times, because it's, it's they're putting too much value in it. But it's people who are sense of service to self often will not take enough value from surveys and opinions because they'll say, that's fine, but here's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So people are sense of service to others, the voice they're listening to is going to be your voice. So you will have to be more directive, even to the point where you might have to repeat back to them what they have said so that they hear it. Okay. And if you feel that someone is maybe paying lip service to you or giving you what they think you want to hear, then what's important is you provide the context of saying, look, the only way you could let me down here is by trying to second guess what you think I want you to say. When I'm asking you the question, I'm genuinely looking for your honest opinion. Okay. And how does this work with order then? So
0: or do, if I'm trying to influence somebody, as you say, you get them to speak first. Well, if the sense
1: of service is to, is to self, who needs to go first? They need
0: to go first in what? In, in the conversation, in the order? I mean, or if you're trying to get them to do something, you accept the fact that
1: this person wants to go first. Is that how it works? Well, if you know their sense of service is to, to self, they're going to be at their best if they get to go first because if they don't get to go first, nothing's really going to go in. Okay. So that's where the conversation is. How are things with you? How's your week going? Tell them how things are going because then they get to go first. Okay. What would you want to talk about? What's the framework for this? What are you expecting to get out of this? How are things? So that the more that they get to go first, then the more they're going to be receptive to the stuff afterwards. Whereas someone who sends a service to others, they would prefer that you went first. Yeah, read the room. And... So they can fit in with the shape of the conversation that you're looking for. Okay. So that's where you start the conversation by saying, you know, here's the week I've been having here's what I've been up to, here's some interesting stuff I've been doing, so I've been really keen to talk to you about your thoughts on this, this, and this, because what you're saying is, here's the framework for the conversation. They will then engage. But what you'll tend to find is that someone who sends a service to others will very quickly sit you down and say, tell me how things are going. And they want you to go first because it feels better for them.
0: Okay. And that's a genuine connection type piece, really, isn't It's making sure they're receptive to whatever you're
1: doing. Yeah. And look, this allows you to ensure that you're not just taking your profile and projecting that out onto everybody, where it will connect with some, but it will disconnect with others. And it allows you to go without judgment and say, okay, either can be good, So I'm just going to watch and listen to see the traits of which profile you fit in with. And therefore now I know how to connect with you. Yes. I'm still going to say what I'm going to say. I'm still going to be here for the reasons why I want to be here, but this is going to better inform how I get that across to you. I think, yeah,
0: this, I mean, once we're going through it, obviously, and I'm sure everyone does this as well, is, if you kind of think, yeah, sometimes I do that. Oh, sometimes I do that. It's a bit like when you're reading, like the horoscopes. You know, you go, "Well, oh, is that me? I'm actually a bit more like this." And that, but I guess there's one though, which is the more common one. But even sometimes I see it with. I think about relationships I have with people, that sometimes I feel that say I'd be much more myself would be more dominant in some conversations, and my senses to others would be more dominant in other ones.
1: Is that is that is that possible or yeah, well, the thing is, if if you're not aware of these two profiles, what you're just trying to do is fit. And so what you're not doing is trading off the greatest level of motivation. What you're doing is trying to find some motivation, any motivation, any connection. Uh, I get you. So, but By understanding this, you're able to then drive that and make that happen. I get you. So if I'm linking to
0: my weaker one, I'm missing an opportunity of, of of noticing actually my strongest motivation lever isn't engaged
1: at the moment. How do I go back and get that engaged? Okay. okay. And what you then find is that other person is looking at you thinking, that's your motivation? Yeah. Is that the only level of motivation you have? So they're trying to match what that and what people trying to do when they don't understand this so well is they just try and match yeah as opposed to be themselves and connect with that other person. They try and match. And so there's a bit of a pretense going on, and then there's a bit of acceptance that both of you actually might be trading off your lesser level of motivation. But that relationship just never seems to go anywhere. We never seem to get anything done. It's agreeable enough. But, hey, you know, it just doesn't seem to work as well. And then you get another relationship where it just fires off. That's nice. What this is about is empowering you to be able to go in and say, I'm going to make this relationship fire off. Yes.
0: Okay. That makes, that's good. That's, that makes more sense to me now. Like I'm sort of sitting here thinking, well, you know, sometimes I know I'm much more like this and and that. So basically, that's the problem is you should go into these situations where if you're not using your dominant sense, you're missing a trick, basically.
1: Yeah. But, Tracy and I have been together now for nearly 25 years, or longer than that, but married for nearly 25 years. Probably for the first 10 of those years, we used to kind of argue in a bit of conflict with each other. Tracy's more sense of service to self, and I'm more sense of service to others. So we spent probably the first 10 years of Tracy tell me to get a hobby, because, you know, that's what I should do. And me arguing back that I know the fridge is full, but it'd be nice if there was something in it that I like to eat. So we would have that variations of that argument for about ten years, and then we realised this stuff, and we realised that that's never going to change, and it shouldn't change, and we should respect that, and we can still say what we want to say for the reasons why we feel it's important, but we say it in a way, the how we say it is more respectful and influential, positively.
0: Yeah,
1: Because and I, I know what works for her, and she knows what works for me. So telling me to go and do something for myself is kind of, yeah, yeah, I might get round to it, but probably won't. And me saying to Tracy, look, you should do that because other folk really need you to be doing that. She'll say, I know, but I'm not necessarily feeling confident enough yet to do it. So it's understanding each other well enough that you can communicate in a way that touches on their highest level of currency, highest level of motivation highest level of confidence, because confidence comes from being yourself, not having to be something else in someone else's company. There is a perception that you have to be one or the other to succeed or get on. It's one of the common things that gets thrown.
0: I said, I'm trying to step away from that well. And just think, you know, that selfish sc- Scrooge, you know, the, uh, one's a capitalist, one's a raging capitalist, and one's a softy socialist is is what I'm working, uh, I'm trying to walk away from. But it does feel
1: like that. Well, if, if the example I tend to use on this is that if you have got two people who do the same thing to the same quality, same consistency, but one of them is more sense of service to self and one of them is more sense of service to others but they both do exactly the same thing. They both turn up to every single meeting 15 minutes early. Now, the person who sends a service to self, why have they turned up 15 minutes early?
0: That's good, yeah. They don't want to let anyone else down and they want to make sure that the meeting's not delayed, etc.
1: Now, this is the one who sends a service to self. Why are they turning up 15 minutes early?
0: Oh, self. Oh. So they make sure that they're sitting where they want to sit. They get their coffee and the biscuits and and they're ready to go and maybe even write something on the whiteboard. So that's going to be the first agenda point. Yeah,
1: and to make sure they don't let themselves down, make sure they're ready to perform so they can choose where they're going to sit, even rehearse it through in their mind, make sure they are where they are. This other person, however, turns up 15 minutes early and their sense of service is to others. Yes.
0: Yeah, they don't want to delay the meeting. They want to make
1: sure that the rooms may be set up properly, that it's clean and etc. Yeah, don't want anybody else to turn up to an empty room. You know, make sure there's enough teas and coffees and chairs and all that kind of stuff. Now, you say to that person that this is about you preparing to perform, and that has not crossed their mind. You say yeah. to the other person who sends service to self that this is about courtesy and respect for everybody else. That's just not been in their thinking. And yet they're both doing the same thing, same quality, same consistency, but for two very different sets of reasons. So you can't really tell by what someone does and someone doesn't do. It's understanding the reasons. And in my experience, where I get a lot of people saying, surely to get on, to get the, to the top, you have to have that ruthless, selfish streak within you. It's not been my experience. I would say there has been almost a perfect balance of half the people I've worked with at the top are sense of service to others and half are sense of service to self. And I don't really care. What I do care about is I understand which one it is and I respect that and I work with them on their strengths. I work with a lot of charities, not-for-profits, half the people who sit on those boards are there because they want to make a difference to that cause, and half the people are there because they want to be seen as someone who is involved in that kind of good work. Yeah. And I don't really care. I don't judge one has been right or wrong. I just need to understand which one it is so that then I know how to position things that gets things done. You, you're right. It's a positive impact, whichever. I mean, to, to extreme is
0: is if you look at some surgeons you know there is that talk that's, that there you have to have almost a psychopathic streak in you which is in, in one way a incredible sense of service to self I you however you'd kind of want somebody whatever their motivation even if it is that they want to be the best surgeon in the world and they want to do the most complicated and if that's the guy who's going to be doing brain surgery on you yeah great if that's what motivates him is to never, ever lose somebody on a table, fantastic. <laughs> you know, and if the if the other person is, I never want to lose people on the table for the sense of self to others. Great. As long as they've got a high sense of motivation, then then good news. Yeah, Because yeah. you don't want
1: somebody there doing that who's just not motivated. Exactly. Recently, I, and I work with one of the, it's one of the biggest banks in the world and a very senior person I work with there, but like everything else in the big banks, there's always more senior people. And he's explaining to me why sometimes he gets criticised for not doing enough as, as what he would call brown nosing or sucking up to the bosses and the board. And he's saying, because that's never meant anything to me. I really don't care what they think. It's only what my team think that matters to me. And I would never let my team down. I really don't need this self-promotion thing. And so... He was. This was something he'd positioned as being something that was for his benefit, and because that doesn't motivate him, he never exactly. Did that. And I said to him, "Well, but why would your team need you to do that?" Exactly. What are What are your team not getting because you're not building that profile? Should they not be able to depend upon this? And he has changed to the point where people are pulling him aside and saying, "Are you okay?" <laughs> Because he's now really motivated because he understands that connecting and communicating has worth up the line to the board level and investors. He's doing it on behalf of his team. So positioning it in a way that actually works with you Yes, is where your power comes from. And if you can understand what someone else's motivations are, you can help them connect with those things to that motivation. Because a lot of the times, in my experience, the reason why people don't fulfill what they're capable of is not that they didn't know how, they just didn't have a big enough reason why. If you've got a big enough reason why, you'll work out the how. But if you're trading on that weaker side of the motivation for you, it's probably not going to be enough yet there's a massively powerful motivation waiting there for you if you can just position it in that way. Yeah.
0: And this helps with the Y to the power of seven that you talked about before as well, especially if you're doing this with a big group. If you come up with enough, you'll be able to cover everyone then.
1: Well, you, you'd mentioned this earlier on, and this is the when you're dealing with the one-to-one, then you can have that case a 50-50 call. Um, when you're dealing with groups, both will be in the room. You need to make sure you're all the time as as priorities, not just secondary motivations, as primary motivations. So all you need to do is cover both. So don't let yourselves down. Don't let everybody yeah. else down.
0: Now, see this is is what would this mean for you? And you just see these people going. Some people going crazy, and then you, you literally ask question, and what would it mean for your people and your teams? And then another group of the people will go absolutely crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've run sessions like this, and one of the big telltale signs is when people will go first and say, this is why we need to be doing this. And, and you'll see someone who'll eventually say, that's not why I'm here. And unfortunately, they sometimes then think they shouldn't be there because of that, just because they've got a very different reason why. And this isn't about everybody having the same reason why. It's knowing what your reason is, yeah. and, therefore, and then respecting everybody else's.
0: In sales teams, salespeople typically get labelled as being the selfish ones. But time and time again, the best people are those who genuinely care about everyone around them. And these are the people who are the best sales managers. They are the best salespeople. They are the best sales directors because their sense of service to others is so strong that you know they're lifted up the organisation on the back of all of these amazing people they're growing and amazing relationships they're growing.
1: That, that, that's then sort of labelling that as better than the other. The, the, the best in, in any line of work is, are, are the ones who know what their motivation is and they stick to it. No, you're right. You're right. I think the
0: reason I did the best and you're, and you're 100% correct that I shouldn't have, it's that I, I think I'm just trying to balance it in my head. So I'm just trying to say, actually, you know some really good ones from there too. Uh, the seesaw is a little bit still one-sided and I'm having to actively work is actually come on think back think of those great people you knew who were there and you actually some of them were brilliant and they were actually maybe the best but you're right of course there's a very really 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 fair fair spread of everyone but yeah
1: your, your high performing teams, Warren, and I've, yes. I've had the pleasure of working with some of your high performing teams. Yes, right. They had a really powerful combination of people who were motivated, not all by the one thing. No, you're right. That they had, they had stronger motive, strong motivations that complemented each other. Because then you know, if it's the customer focus strategy, you know, who's probably best to be leading on that. But if there's a driving individual yes. performance piece, then you know, who should really be leading on that. They are equal uh, in their value as long as you put them in the right places and people understand what the most powerful of the two motivations are and not just saying, well, you know, and it's why a lot of people will say, well, I you know, I don't want to get any sales exactly. because I'm not a me person. Well, it's not about being a me or a they person. It's knowing that you've got, you're have you driven by both, but one's a bit stronger than the other. And yes. sometimes one is a lot stronger than the other. But understanding what yours is, then you will start to look at what others are. But for this, the quickest way of doing this is in your mind, get the people who you know in your mind round a table and go around and pick out the dominance. Not that they are one or the other, but what their dominance is. And it will be a self, self, others, others, self, others, self, others. And when you know that, it's then about trying this on for size to be able to create that connection for what they're really motivated by.
0: Right. That's good. We're going to leave it there. That's good. Going to go around the table. Everyone's doing it now. They're thinking of going around the Christmas table, going around their boardroom tables, looking around their team and going, but remember, kiddies, This is me saying it, obviously, to myself. It ain't good, it ain't bad. It's just different. Both could be good. Brilliant. Could be good. Thank you, Steve. So, there you go. You heard me doing my very, very best to not label um, one as good and one as bad. I'm pretty sure I know which one I am. Uh, Maybe that. Explains my position on it. Who knows? But it's good. I think the key thing is then understanding isn't good or bad. But once you understand it, then you can use this to your own advantage. You can motivate individuals to perform at their very best. Because once people are totally and honestly and authentically and genuinely motivated, there's no stopping them. We didn't get the chance to discuss how does this work. In companies or in teams, or you know, do companies have this as an identity, or do teams have this as an identity? And I'm sure they do. So we should come back round to that at some stage. It might be good to actually think about this in terms of how some of these frameworks and tools can actually be translated for, yeah, organisations. If you think about an emotionally intelligent company how is it how is that fostered amongst an organism such as a as a company as a team that'd be good but there you go as i said i've done this a number of different times as you can tell with Stephen. it's something i use quite a lot myself with my own coaching i still find i've still got a lot of work to do this is one reason i find these sessions so helpful hope you found it useful too. hope it's given you something to to think about, something to chew over. As always, any thoughts, comments, get in touch. If you want to see more of these type of models, then do go to Stephen's site, coachpro.online. There's a 30-day trial you can sign up for. If it's not there, just send us a note. I'm sure Stephen will make it open for you. So that's it. I'm off. I'll talk to you all again soon. Hope you're all having a good week. Bye.